Go. Streaming from South Africa to the world. To the world. This is the Stonks Go Moon podcast. What just happened? We break it down so you don't have to. Welcome everyone to the Songs Go Moon podcast. My guest today, returning guest, friend of the show, Simon Ree, best-selling author of the book, The Tao of Training. Simon, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Rocco. Great to see you again, mate. Simon, it seems to me that every time we schedule these things just after FOMC meeting, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it makes for great content. So this time, this time around, I posted on Twitter and I posted on LinkedIn that I deliberately didn't listen to Jerome Powell. I didn't read transcripts. All I've seen are headlines. And obviously, I've followed the price action. So this is going to be completely new to me. So I want you to unpack bit for bit, what did he say? What are the consequences? And then I'll sort of react in real time. And then we'll mm-hmm. riff from there and we'll segue into what the hell is going on in, in the financial markets. Right. Well, I mean, if you, if you watch the market action yesterday, the, the NASDAQ was up like 3% when the FOMC announcement came out. Yep. And look, I mean, let's just set the stage, right? We're, we're in a wage price spiral. Um, unemployment rates, 3.9%. We're We've got energy prices that are surging. Inflation's running at seven percent. Interest rates are zero. All right. Yeah. So the fact that the fact that rates are going higher is is something that everybody knows or should have known. And the FOMC statement was within expectations. I mean, that the guts of the statement was it will soon be appropriate to raise the target rate for target range for the Fed funds rate. Okay. What and soon? That's that's in line. Well, but I mean, it's soon you know march is obviously the next kind of big meeting that's what everybody's got penciled in um but that that the wording of that statement it it leaves the door open that they can continue to evaluate the data all right and you know the nasdaq at its high was up three and a half percent yesterday and then powell started talking into the microphone um and it was it was reminiscent of uh fourth quarter 2018 yeah. Uh, where Powell had his first kind of misadventure talking into a microphone, uh, which, which caused the S&P to lose 19.9%. It, it, it avoided an official bear market by, you know, basis points. But, uh, the, you know, the press conference sounded a lot more hawkish and Powell did nothing to hold the hands of investors who were looking for a dovish pivot. Uh, he didn't take the prospect of 50 basis point hikes off the table. Um, now the Fed has got the Fed have eight meetings a year. They've got seven more meetings, and, and what they do is they've got they have like major meetings in yeah. March, June, September, and December, and those meetings are associated with a summary of economic projections, and that's typically when they'll make changes to the Fed funds rate. Yeah. And then they have minor meetings in May, July, and November, and and if they change interest rates at those minor meetings, they're usually perceived as like emergency. Well, there've been emergency cuts in the past, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and he didn't take off, he didn't remove the possibility of uh, hikes at the minor meetings. So he, he was specifically asked, could we see hikes at consecutive Fed meetings? And he said yes. Um, well, I mean, there, there we go. There is the Goldman Sachs projection 4%, uh, 4 rate hike, sorry. And then um, JP Morgan, <laughs> 6, 7, 8. I mean, that starts to sound reasonable then. Well, I mean, seven rate hikes would be obviously the, the, the most they can do. Um, yes. But 
we, we've now we've now got Nomura forecasting officially forecasting a fifty basis point hike in March. I think that will probably become consensus fairly quickly. And we've got mm-hmm. Fed fund futures now on their way to pricing in five rate hikes this year. Yeah. Um, so none of this is kind of music to the equity markets ears. Um, and and just getting back to that uh, that post I put on Twitter yes. earlier that you're referring to, you know, when Powell was asked about the balance sheet, he said it's substantially larger than it needs to be, and there is a substantial amount of shrinkage that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, what that means is you don't want to go near any asset that has been pumped up by the liquidity bubble. Um, you know, you, you got stocks like Peloton, right? Yeah. Who um, Palantir. Palantir, uh, Upstart. <laughs> I mean, I mean there's, 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 there's hundreds of them. Hundreds? Yeah. Literally hundreds Hundred, of them. Hundreds of them. I, I, it's probably unfair of me to pick on Peloton, but they're just such a good uh, you know, barometer <laughs> for this sort of thing. But, you know, they've been able to fund themselves at artificially low rates uh, as a result of Fed policy. Yes. And uh, that's, that's going away. And so even though a lot of these stocks have uh, fallen by 50, 60, 80%, uh, I still don't think you want to go anywhere near them. You still want to sell the rallies in, in these types of things. Yeah, because it's What's not only trick- tech, sorry. It's not only tech because, I mean, like just talking about price action, the Dow fell 800 points when he started speaking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole different industry. That's a whole different sectors and you know, baskets of goods. I mean, it's, if you, it's fine if you just say, oh, well, tech had a negative reaction. Everything had a negative reaction. The euro markets had everything across the board had a sell-off. So you can't tell me it's one specific thing. Well, I think we've, um, we've got a situation where there's a, there's a lot of hedge funds that are still levered long growth stocks. There's still mm-hmm. a lot of deleveraging to, to happen. Um, we've We've, we've still got a lot of uh, buy the dip mentality in the markets. And I think until those levered longs have been delevered and, and yeah. kind of people, people stop looking to buy the dip, we're, we're, we're in for uh, the, the best case scenario, uh, some, some pretty violent wide, wide ranging chop in the markets. And, and as, to, as to the inflation question, I mean, yes. the, you know, one of the real problems for the Fed is that wage inflation is, is one of the real kind of upside risks to inflation here. And that's not really something the Fed has got a lot of control over. All right. The labor supply has been shrinking due to a drop in the participation rate. That's been trending down for several months. And you could argue it's this labor force shrinkage is becoming structural rather than cyclical. And if labor force is in structural decline, that is really going to clamp economic growth absent yeah. a surge in pro- productivity gains to offset that. Because GDP growth is really just a function of labor force growth plus productivity, right? Uh, it's also going to make reshoring more and more difficult. We've got lots of concerns about supply chains and we've got to stop making everything in China and you know bring yeah. some of this manufacturing but, onshore. I mean, supply, it's going to make sorry, all of that a lot harder. But supply chain isn't something that they really can fix through policy, is it? No, it, it's, they can't fix the labor market through policy. Well, I mean... Um, that's just signaling to why we're doing something but i mean in reality they can't no but but it just shows that the fed are 100 focused on the inflation implications of the labor market not on the growth implications yeah and what the market is scared of is that we've got a fed that is raising rates into a potential economic growth shock in the u.s economy yeah and that's what the market Um, is pricing in at the moment well, starting to. Starting I think if, to. Well, wow, big yeah. words there. Starting to. That's 
Yeah. Because I mean, what's what's this correction? 10, 12% now? Uh, on the NASDAQ, yeah. On the S&P, yeah. I think we're, yeah, we're a bit less than that. But it's um, 10, 12. Yeah, just about the NASDAQ is 10 or 12%. And I mean, but I mean, that was supposed to sort of expected on a yearly candle that there would be some retrace. But I think the, the veracity of, you know, and the nature and the violent nature of this sort of caught people by surprise. Well, I think it has because it's been a while since we've seen any volatility, really. I mean, the, the biggest pullback we had last year, I think, was 5.9%, yeah. just under yeah. 6%. Um, market basically just went up and up and up. And uh, in, in that environment, people, BTFD, yeah. uh, they lever up. and oh, fucking um, dip. Yeah, but that's you, the thing you, get is, a, you get a 10% wobble and uh, wow, you know, it feels yeah. like uh, the end of days. But, but I mean, that also, and I think I alluded to it last year, that that mentality is that's how the market conditions people to, don't worry, it's going to go up again. Don't worry, it's going to go up again. And then suddenly it doesn't. And then you're finding yourself in this position where you find out quickly the market goes both ways. It just it doesn't always just go up well i think the market is going to test powell's resolve here um because we've been in a regime since 2008 where every time the market has thrown the toys out of the cot uh, the fed has come along you know with another yeah. injection of you know sugar yeah uh, to smooth everything over and, and at the moment it sounds like the fed is not going to do that which is very reminiscent of that fourth quarter of 2018 when Powell assured us all that balance sheet reduction was on automatic pilot, uh, the markets tanked, and then in January he said, "Oh no, no, I, I didn't, I didn't really mean that." Here, come on, let's, yeah, let's, let's do yeah. some more QE. Yeah, let's 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 uh, you know it, um, intervene in the repo market and all the rest of it. So, um, I, I think that the Fed will provide the market with a dovish pivot, but there just could be a lot more pain between now and then. I I, I'd be very surprised yeah. if we get five rate rises this year. Yeah, I mean, that's also, I've been very vocal about waiting, you know, to take any longer term views for Q1 just to finish at least so we can see where we are. Because like, how how are you going to base a long term view this year when we've got markets um, reversing intraday movements the following next, you know, the following day? It's impossible. Well, I, even looking at yesterday's price action, the NASDAQ reversed a 3.5% gain intraday. I think it was the biggest bearish reversal in yeah. seven years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you, <laughs> but this is really, really gonna, But let's just say this is like heaven for traders. This is Nirvana, right? Because volatility is great because we get to play both sides. As long yeah. as we have the volume, the worst thing that can happen now or in the coming weeks is for the volume to dissipate and then we just go into the sideways chop because that's going to be absolutely i don't even want to think about it i, I don't think that'll happen good news because there's there is there is simply too much too much leverage in the system um that we, we, we need to see it delever and, and whilst yeah. that could be really painful if you're a, a long-term holder um there is going to be volatility i mean i, I think you know, you look at the VIX at the moment. Uh, I think the VIX is going to be finding a floor at 20 rather than in the low mid teens. Mm -hmm. And when the VIX is above 30, you know, 2% ranges, daily ranges on the S&P are the norm. Um, so we, we, we kind of got to just get used to this kind of volatility again. Um, yeah. 
and, and it's going to be choppy. And, and as you say, people who are saying, oh, you've, you've, you've got to be overweight value and underweight growth and what have you. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll look really smart for a couple of weeks. And then there'll be another round of violent sector rotation. And uh, value's going to get chopped apart again when, when growth starts to look good. And I, I really think you've just got to play the ranges. And um, the, 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 the biggest danger for traders and investors in this sort of market, though, is trying to catch every turn. Uh, yes. The market will try and get you to do that. And if you try and play that game, you'll risk getting chopped to pieces. So don't trade without an edge. If you can't articulate what your edge is, don't get into a position. Um, take your gains quickly, more quickly than normal. And, and yeah. of course, that means cut, cut your losers even more quickly. Yeah. I've, um, seen, I've seen FinTwit go very silent the last couple of weeks because everyone that was an expert last year, not so much now. No, last year was full of bulltards who only knew how to trade a, a rising market. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at the, let's go six weeks from now, maybe six, eight weeks from now, what are some of the plays that you're looking at because of this, these conditions? What are some of the attractive plays? So in, in conditions like these, I do, I spend probably 90% of my time researching indices, yeah. rates, commodities uh, rather than individual stocks you know when when markets are nervous like this correlations tend to converge towards one which is just a fancy way of saying all stocks tend to move up and down together which is why we saw the dow get smacked uh, as well as the nasdaq yesterday right even yeah, though the composition is very very different everything, yeah uh, everything so yeah we're back to that kind of risk on risk off sort of regime so focus on the indices and what they're doing and and even trade trading the indices, I think, makes a lot of sense. Um, in terms of individual stocks, I've really got no interest in buying anything that doesn't still have some institutional support. So stocks that are above their 200-day moving averages, stocks that are still in uptrends. I've got small long positions in CVS at the moment uh, and, and Home Depot, and that's about it in terms of my long stock positions. Uh, they've both, well, Home Depot has just held its 200-day moving average. CVS is you look at a chart of CVS and you'd have no idea what was going on in the S&P. It's a, still a great looking chart. Yeah. Um, I've been trading TLT as a proxy for bonds um, from, from both sides. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been trading gold. Uh, I've got a, a long position in gold, which is slightly underwater after <laughs> yesterday's move. Yeah, but, but we'll FOMC is never great goes. for gold. I mean, the, you, you, you yeah. know, I mean, that's, but I'm still long-term bullish. Um, on gold talk, talk to me about um you, you mentioned the stocks under the 200 day moving average and institutional support unpack that for me a little bit like when for the listeners maybe if you're new to trading and you know what yeah. what that means well the, the 200 day moving average it's just the you, you take the last 200 closing prices add them up together divide by 200 and, and that is your 200 day moving average really simple calculation Mm -hmm. And that is broadly regarded as the line in the sand between a long-term uptrend and a long-term downtrend. And what tends to happen when a stock crosses below its 200-day moving average is volatility picks up, rain, daily ranges pick up, it, its speed picks up. And that's because when a stock is under the 200-day moving average, a lot of people are in pain. Okay? Mm -hmm. People who are in pain react in a more fearful manner. And people who are fearful behave very differently from people who are focused more on greed or euphoria. They're, they're, they're quicker to sell. Um, and, and, but generally what also happens is institutional participation really drops off as well. 
Interesting. So you, you look at it. You look at a chart like Amazon at the moment. It's shot well below its 200-day moving average. I mean, it's not to say that you know all of the instos are bailing out of Amazon, um, oh, but they're not going to be going overweight. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah well, Netflix as well. Unless you're Bill Ackman, yeah, you'd, you'd be living Netflix well alone. Um, and look, yeah, I mean, these stocks will find a bottom one day. And if, if uh, you know, if you've got a, a very long-term view and you call yourself a value investor and you're buying and holding indefinitely. Yeah, I mean, you, you can pick these up at, at, at whatever you think is an appropriate juncture. Yeah. But from a trading perspective, you have got far more edge participating in stocks that have still got institutional support. Yeah, and I'm 100% look at the indices because they all more or less move the same. You can, you know, converge a couple of them at once. It's actually the, the best play at the moment. Simon, thank you so much for joining me. As always, um, if the listeners want to catch up with you, um, where can they do that? And what are some of the things that you're busy with? Uh, they can catch me on LinkedIn or uh, Twitter. My, my Twitter handle is at Simon underscore Re, And uh, my website, which is uh, just toweroftrading.com. And come and join us on Twitter. We'll put the links in the comments. Simon, thank you so much for joining us. To the listeners, peace, love, and prosperity. We'll catch you in the next one.